Did you really drag me in here to listen to another one of your podcasts? Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. Want a juice box and some string cheese? <laughs> Do you really have that? Fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. That's like 16 walls. Flawless victory. Mother? What's wrong with me? Darling, I don't have to answer to you. I'm Batman. Why'd you open your bonghole, you smelly hippie? It's clobbering time. This is the men who look bad in spandex? That's disgusting. Are you seriously calling it that? What is up, Max? Hi, partner. How you doing, man? I'm great. Just trying to be the unexplained phenomena I want to be in the world. <laughs> oh man, that's a taller drink of water than what uh, I think you would expect on a regular everyday basis. It's a good thing I'm six five. I mean, well, it does. You know, your height does help. I guess two fifty looks good with a shirt off. You know, I mean, not real good in spandex, but you know, like from a distance <laughs> with the right angles and, and the good shadow. Oh yeah, it looks like I have muscles. <laughs> oh man, well, I mean, like you said, it's that whole. Uh, that whole uh, moniker Hispanics, I don't know, I think it's built for most yeah. normal human people. I always like to say, it's a privilege, not a right, Spandex. That's definitely the truth. It's a bumper sticker somewhere, mm-hmm. man. I'm sure it is. You know, it has to be. I mean, there's enough weirdness in the world that if it's not, then it seems like that's a missed... Uh... You know, I don't know how many people need that bumper sticker, but if I feel like if it existed, you'd see more of it than you'd expect. Bicyclists. Bicyclists, I think, need them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I'd say bicyclists. My man, um, it's good to have you aboard. Another episode of the Men Who Look Bad in Spandex podcast here on Magic 93.1 with the proprietor of Top 5 Comics in beautiful Grand Junction off First and Orchard. Steve, comic book Steve, uh, the man you're talking to. Now, now that you got me on muscles, man, did I can't think of anybody besides Liefeld who drew insanely large muscles. Well, maybe Madura. Mr. Madeira drove, uh, uh, drew insanely large muscles. The 90s was a hallmark for that, but um, I can't think of, yeah, bigger muscles than Liefeld or maybe maybe even Joe Mad for sure. There's, there's, a, there's a batch of, well, there's a whole framework of people from that time frame that that's kind of, I would say they took their stance from the way Mr. Rob was doing things. I mean, there's a dude named Steve Platt or Splat and the way I understand it, he's still around. I mean, we don't ever see anything from him that I can attest to, not recently, at least. But uh, he had a very uh, Rob Layfield hallmark to him. And so, I mean, so much I was like, he was the better Rob Layfield. No. Oh. And there was always like little splatter things around his. Yeah, look him up sometimes. Steve Platt. Okay. Or Splat, which I think is a great moniker for naming yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Take the last name, the first name, so he's Splat. Ah, I like that about that guy. Yeah. But his style is derivative of um, the time frame for Rob in the 90s and whatnot. Ooh. So, I mean, when it comes to the hallmark of it, I mean, the only other person I can think of, and, and it's a very different style. And he, I wouldn't necessarily say he's just, God, I wouldn't really say he's a 90s artist, maybe, or an 80s artist. I guess you could say Ed McGinnis, he's more of a, I would say more of a late 90s, well, into, into, into now. Like, he still draws stuff now. Uh, but Ed, Ed draws the thickest necks in the game, man. Like, he is, <laughs> he is uh, oh. fantastic. His Hulk, like his Superman, he did, uh, 
He's doing Superman Batman for a while, back during volume one of that series, I believe. And uh, when he would draw, whether it was Bruce or whether it was Clark, it didn't really matter. Like, clearly Bruce was, was smaller than Clark was. But the both of them had, you know, thick veins going on. And uh, it was glorious. The thickest uh, neck amazing. in the game. I'm going to introduce myself. That's going to be my next business card. The thickest neck in the game. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah, dude. No, it's... It, it's, it's, a, it's you're not really, wrong. No, you're not wrong. I'm, I, I looked up Splat, Stephen Platt, like you're saying. Um, I'm just... I'm seeing quads. All I see is just quads. Looks like somebody's smuggling <laughs> Yule logs since it's that time of year, man. That's just quadzilla, bro. That guy looks like he could have an OnlyFans where he squashes watermelons. What? <laughs> what? That is that's cool. Hey, don't don't ask me about my search history, Steve. All right, but speaking of artists, man, before we get into comics, you actually have a friend, uh, well, a bunch of friends who are artists, and actually this weekend, man, they've got a really cool show going on oh, yeah. yeah man it's a collection um you know of tattoo artists comic artists like yourself drawers uh, people who just you know love the expression of you know the the pencil the pen whatever medium they're using man so what's the deal coming up this saturday man so on saturday the uh the first street tattoo parlor is putting on the lowbrow art classic um and it's uh it's yeah it's a group of artists they're gonna have 70 different artists with pieces hung up in the uh in the shop and they've got they've got a fairly decent studio down there, big size wise. It's a pretty big big studio, uh, so they're gonna have everything hung up, and they're put putting out a uh, a pamphlet that goes along with it with all the names of the people that did everything and little write write ups on them. So it's got a it's a whole thing going on. Like the event itself is gonna have um, that having at the tattoo shop, and then right next door at Noko Sushi, uh, they are staying open op- open late that night after hours wise. Uh, for the event, and they're doing a couple of different specials at the restaurant, and they're going to have uh, uh, our buddy John Tonic uh, down there spinning records too. So nice. There's a whole like whole thing going on as far as events. So if nothing else would be a cool thing to come come out and see and just check out all the different talent here in town. I mean, there is a lot. Just there is there is tons of people, and not these are and like art wise. Yeah, there's some tattoo guys in there. There's some art, some comic style arts in there. There's a bunch of other folks too that are like they're they're totally different categories. It's crazy. Art is expression, baby. Art is life. Do you have a piece? Did you submit a piece, my friend? I mean, oh, I know man. I get no. I get your stuff at Comic Con at the Mesa County Library. <clears throat> Pardon me. That's where it's good to get <laughs> get your stuff, man. But no, you didn't get one in this year. No, no, I I didn't plan early enough ahead. I but I got a bunch of friends that are in there on it. So I mean, okay. maybe next year. Hmm. Now we were talking about. Trying to pull them together you, next year. You should do the the uh, chutherky. Do do the chutherky for them, man. Do they know? <laughs> do you you send that to everybody on your list, uh, don't you? I mean, if you're in the right circle, the chutherky, uh, the chutherky will show up in your uh, Thanksgiving Day box <laughs> in the right circle. That's what you I'm not see. necessarily sure if everyone should see that in life because once you see it, it's entirely. It's not impossible to go back, but it's it's not something. I mean, it's not something you can shake. No, no. I, I, if I knew Gordon Ramsay's number, I'd want to see how many swear words he'd have after something like that, man. Just <laughs> he's got this great Instagram thing where he like reacts to people cooking online, and it's just spectacular. If you like Instagram, uh, top five comics, CBS. This guy, I'm Max. I'm at Axe underscore Ryan. Uh, DJ, uh, podcaster, radio host extraordinaire. Um, I don't, I don't draw more of a writer though. So I like to go down to things like this, uh, and really check it out. And I mean, Steve, 
obviously the holidays are going on and everything's kind of crazy with that. But if you want to like take a break and like enjoy downtown Grand Junction uh, and you know kind of do it at your own pace, this is another opportunity to do that. Plus, you get dynamite shrimp at the end. I I don't see anything I mean, wrong yeah. with that. I don't see anything wrong with that Absolutely. at all. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, and the guy they're they're just off the corner of First and North Avenue, so they're, yeah. they're right there in that corner. That whole shopping center is yeah. the whole evening's gonna be doing stuff. Like I said, both both spots are gonna be open into the evening. So, like as a thing, if you if you are a sushi connoisseur and you're always upset because you can't get to eat sushi in town after ten, well, I mean, unless of course the gas station, which if it's there since this morning. Pratt, the best choice. I'm just saying. I trust the gas. I trust gas station sushi like I trust Bill Clinton in an intern pool, my man. So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and keep it authentic. You're getting touched and messed up. Yeah, you're right. Let's keep it authentic here, man. Like gas station sushi. That's a questionable decision, man. That's that's like Scott Summers' decision to kill Professor Xavier, my friend. Very questionable. Oh man, right. Yeah, but guys, for all the apple pie people think that he is, he is not. Uh, he's done some questionable things in his career as an X Men. I mean, whether it be leaving his team to go out and marry a woman who just happened to look like the woman that died, and then once you find out that woman's alive, leaving that woman cold uh, with child. <laughs> just in general, it's a pretty. Uh, it's a pretty heartless. Yeah, heartless. He's he's got a one direction about himself. Yeah. So, you know, more recently and. You know, his shift in flavor has sort of changed. But, yeah, I mean, the man's got a questionable path behind him for all the apple pie that he presents himself as in the team. Oh, man. Actually, that was one of my—I loved it. Back to Claremont. Harken back to Claremont and Byrne. Do you remember the the iconic cover of Cyclops leaving the X-Men? So he goes and he like oh, yeah. finds himself and he meets this lady named Lee and she's almost like oh you know a notch on his belt. You're absolutely right. The most selfish Summers brother is Scott. I, you know, I, I since the others don't have as big a track record, I guess. I mean, you could argue with Havoc a little bit. I mean, he had questionable things happen with him too. Not nearly. I wouldn't say nearly the same level of questionable. I mean, at one point he did get dead and then wake up in the. Mutant X universe and the Mutant X universe, he had a whole family there. Um, now, granted, one was Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen, and their kid together, whose name I don't remember. Uh, but, you know, at the time, he was in love with the nurse in the real world and her kid. And anyway, and it wasn't his world. So eventually, you know, he got back to our world, leaving them all forsaken. That's a, that's a red flag that for you, same? right? That's a red flag for you, right? For you, for me, it's a red flag for me. If there's some girl who's, like, naming herself the Goblin Queen on Tinder, I'm not swiping <laughs> right on that, man. I don't know about you, Steve, but Scott is. I mean, she wears black leather in a way that, I mean, I'm not saying it's the right choice. <laughs> Steve, you dog. I'm, I'm just, I'm just Steve, saying you rascal. that you rascal. You've seen her, right? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, granted, can she melt your face with her mental powers? Yeah. Yes. Is that the good way of melting her face? No. Probably. If you, no, it's if not. you ask, if you ask her the right way. I mean, I mean, maybe she'll also might enslave humanity. So I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, you want to be on the right side of the boat when that happens, I guess. A little face melt, little humanity takeover. Hey, babe, what's up with yeah. your Saturday night, man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, so right. Like, Sorry, what is that? No, you're, you're right. She's, she's like, I'm going to kill all your friends. That's what I'm going to do. And you say, oh, well, okay then. As long as I get that face melt, babe, you know me. Woo! I mean, oh, man. Oh, you gotta, she's patterned after. Kind of. <laughs> She's patterned after the 
the most attractive uh, redhead, I think, in comics, in pop culture, across the, the whole gamut of it, man, right? I mean, am I wrong, or is it just because I read comic no. books? No, as far as, like, a style of thing, I mean, when it comes to Jean Grey, like, uh, that, there's a lot of girls that look a lot like her. I mean, when it comes to, to Marvel, Sabah Fair, I mean, if you want to talk redheads, I, you know, you've got Jean, you've got Mary Jane, you've got Hellcat. I mean, I, of the three of them, choice-wise, I mean, Mary Jane makes the most sense, honestly. I mean, business-driven, if you want to look at the comics and her career accolades. You know, for a while, she was Amazing Mary Jane, which wasn't really powers. It was just a cool story. But uh, in her day job, it's, you know, model, actress, business owner, and those are all three things that are, you know, not easy jobs to handle. And she's actually going to get her own comic book here in, uh, I think, two months called Jackpot, where she takes over that persona and will be running around doing power things in her own comic book again. That was uh, that was actually pretty cool. Is that, and you correct me, is that part of this new Ultimate Universe rebirth with Spidey? It's not. There, there are, there's going to be a storyline with that, though, that has a Mary Jane in it as well. Um, the, the Jackpot story is coming out of the uh, current Amazing Spider-Man run, where... Uh, Amazing has been a little all over the place. It's been good, but uh, we introduced this character, Paul, and there's a whole mess there. And for a while, Mary Jane was trapped in another dimension for five years, and then some questionable behavior happens because of that. And then Kamala Khan gets dead for a second. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened in Spider-Man. But as a result, part of that has led to Mary Jane getting her hands on these gauntlets that will give her abilities. And, uh, you know... She's famous for a jackpot line, so the character jackpot we haven't seen in a while. So I don't know what really happened to that character if she got prisoned, benched, or dead. So I guess I'd have to look into that to be sure. Uh, but the original jackpot, for whatever reason, is no longer around. And, well, the name's available, so they both them had red hair, so I guess it makes sense. Um, I understand comic book writers, and if you don't know, that's one of the most iconic lines ever. Jackpot, you hit the jackpot, Tiger, she says oh, yeah. when she meets him, I don't know, first or second time. It was yeah one of the one of the most iconic lines in uh, comics. But you know, Steve, does she, obviously she's a superhero in her own right, uh, MJ. What she's done and what she's gone through, if you're if you're familiar. But giving her powers, it, like you said, it's been all over the place. I I never thought I would never think maybe if I was in charge, and I'm not. So there are people who are have uh, you know higher pay grades than I that make those decisions. I would have thought you don't really need that. From Mary Jane, although I guess it does add a wonderful wrinkle, and as uh, intellectual properties that go back decades, I mean, sometimes you need to express those things just to get good story. Well, sure. And like with that one, because the whole jackpot storyline is coming out of a, a another thing that happened in Spider-Man, it makes sense story-wise that it would happen. Um, even back, if you rewind back to 2020, just before the uh, world shut down. We had a series going on called The Amazing Mary Jane, and it wasn't about her having powers. It was in the cycle of... Yeah, so Mary Jane's been through the ringer, really. Oh, so uh, much. Spider-Man made a deal with the devil, and for those listening that don't understand what that means, I mean, he made a deal with the devil that gave away a giant chunk of both their life, but the difference between the two of them is that while Spider-Man didn't remember any of it or have any of that baggage, Mary Jane remembered all of it, and so she has the baggage of two different lives uh, riding right next to each other. And so, like, that's a pretty heavy thing to carry. But because of that, she had been trying to rekindle her relationship with Spider-Man. And in this particular series, she decided, well, 
she needed to start doing something else with her time, too, because the two of them, they were getting along, but she's like, I got to do something else work-wise. So she decided to take a deal working into the movie, on a movie, you know, like you do if you're a supermodel slash business lady slash actress, something that I don't understand at all. And uh, <laughs> in the process of doing that, that led to what the story was actually about. So it really wasn't her having powers at all. It was about her in and out in the movie industry and uh, dealing with the director of the movie, turning out to eventually be Mysterio, which... Uh, doesn't go really well, Whoa. but uh, played Whoa. out pretty good in the comics. It was really fun. Wow. Uh, it didn't change the world or anything, but it was a pretty fun book. I got twisted. I had a Fast. bunch of... Yeah. No, it, it, it was an interesting spin in there. Like, Mysterio, of course, you know, was the Jake Gyllenhaal from the third movie. And, well, in the third movie, he's a little more, I don't know, I guess, aggro than he is uh, in the comics. The comics, he's still the bad dude, but he's more of a showboat, impressed by himself type. Yeah, I mean, the pitch of the story is that Mary Jane stumbled into working on this movie, and the director of the movie is making a movie about Spider-Man slash Mysterio, and it turns out that the guy making the movie is actually Mysterio. So in the process of that, he's uh, making all the other villains look bad to make himself look good, and a bunch of them don't like that so much. So, uh, you know, it leads to problems. Mysterio's that guy at the supervillain like mixer every year, like doing that thing where he faces himself in the corner and then wraps his own arms around himself and starts like <laughs> right. rubbing up and down. God, Mysterio, not a team player, not not a team player. But <laughs> no, anyway, he's part of the sinister. He's not part of the Sinister Six, is he? Uh, you know, there was one version that he was. Uh-huh. So he's he's been in that mix before, but classic Sinister Six. It, it, there's been a couple. Well, like I said, there's been a few different mixes of Sinister Six. So, like, he's he's been in at least one of them. And I want to say in the Sega video game uh, version of Sinister Six, he was one of the characters. From what I remember of the game, and now my brain's like, is that really something I remember? Well, I'm pretty sure it is. Mm, I, I, you know, he could have been, but you know, video games take more license than movies do when it comes to original origin stuff or, you know, as far as, you know, being true to canon. Um Right. From what I remember, the original Sinister Six was um, Dr. Octopus, who was basically at the center of it. The yeah, Vulture, he's always, yeah. yeah. Sandman. Rhino. Um, Electro. I don't think the Rhino was in the first group, because I, I don't think he was a character back then. Mm. Have to, you know, to be honest, I'd have to look on the internet. But I think Mysterio was part of the first group, along with Craven. Um. They're all older characters, comparison-wise. Is that Six? Yeah, is Electro... Doc Ock, Sandman, uh, Vulture, Craven, and Mysterio. No, that's six. That's the original six. That's, that's who it was. It, he was part of the original six. Count on us to know how to count. It's the men who look bad in spandex, baby. How many <laughs> How many spider titles are there? Are there more spider titles than there are bad titles? Because I love Batman, but I can get, even myself, I can get overwhelmed. Uh, is it the same kind of way with Peter Parker? Miles Morales, everything? Yes. It's similar, like with the Batscope, or the Batscape, as it were. Uh, Spider-Man, like right now, it's there's similarity to the amount. Spider-Man has got a few less, but it's not by many. I mean, right now there's Amazing, um, so the, the regular normal Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Then there's Spider-Boy, which is about the new kid. I love the costume. So, love that costume. No, no, his costume looks cool with his sneakers. So, yeah, yeah, and it's just it's it's blue and red, uh, and it's dominantly blue on top. It's it it's cool. Yeah, no, he's got a cool look to him. Mm-hmm, he does. So, I mean, we have Spider, so we have Amazing, we have Spider Boy, 
Um, then we have uh, Superior, Superior, that was hard to say, Superior, take two, <laughs> Superior Spider-Man, so the Doc Ock Spider-Man, he has his own book again, um, and that thing is going on as a regular series for the moment. Uh, then there's a mini-series called Spine Tingling Spider-Man, because they want to test my alliteration, <laughs> and it's uh, more of a horror story style book, but it's, uh, it's a mini-series though, so I mean, as far as titles... <laughs> It's not quite the same as Batman with all the ongoings. Yeah. Um, there's, more after that, like, there's more S's in there than Koss spits out in the Jungle Book, man. Yeah, there's Miles. Uh-huh. There's there's also, uh, I don't know, do you consider it a Spider-Book or an X-Book with what is going on in Uncanny Spider-Man? Uh, well, the titling itself makes it a Spider-Man book because of the name and the costume. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he's posing as Spider-Man, so we're going to say Spider-Man. Is it on my X-Men wall? Yes, it is. So, I mean, in that case, I guess I'd say 50-50, because the guy in the suit is definitely of the X variety, whereas the titling... Okay, because in the stories with X-Men books, I'm going to say X-Men book. Okay. That's, that's where it lands, X-Men book. Well, that's why. Just in case you're ever in top five comics, which you should be, and you, just on, on the, the wall to the left is the entire X thing. I, <laughs> I made the mistake last time I was in there reading too much of it, and then it just kind of came down on me. And, boy, if, if you ever want to get some stink eye, it's like, you know, watch comics slip off a comic rack in a comic book store, man. That'll, that'll oh, do it. I'll do yeah, it. you know, it, it does happen. It does, man. Well, there's, no, there's another Spider series. So other than Miles, there's also Spider-Woman who has a brand new series that just started. Is it Jessica so Drew? I, is she back? It is Jessica Drew, Okay. Yep. So she's okay. back with her own series. Um, tied up in the beginning of this gang war. Um, then, the, Well, Hallow's Eve was technically a spider book because the character in it is from the Spider franchise. Mm-hmm. But uh, her series was a miniseries, and it did have... Uh, a one-shot that came out during Halloween that was like an extension of the series, but so it's technically over. So I guess you couldn't say that it's an active book right now, however, it just recently ended. So Was 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 Jessica Drew your favorite Spider-Woman? I remember, and man, the, the Venom suit, Venom-looking suit Spider-Man, Spider-Woman was, what was her name? Oh, my gosh. She so had red hair. Now. She had um, red hair. Jessica? Was it Jessica? Um, I think that's right. Shoot. Uh, she was in the 90s. Um, you know, of course, uh, we all saw Jessica Drew in Across the uh, Spider-Verse, and she was fantastic. Uh, that was a good one. Um, oh, I got it. I, I, it's totally, uh, totally escaped my mind right now, Steve, but... Is this the first time we've seen Jessica Drew back in action since Secret Invasion? With her own book, yes. Okay. I mean, she showed up in a couple other, like, event books, but with her own, like, no, that's not true. Since Secret Invasion, she's had, let's see, no, it's been, there's been one other series before that. So, no. So, her Secret Invasion days with the scrolls, this is the second series after that. Oh, no, hang on. No, that's not right. This is the third series after that. Because for a minute, they gave her costume change. I'm going to backpedal for a second, Max. This is the third series since then, because they did a costume change um, after the whole Secret Invasion thing, where they gave her, like, a... It was the same time they were changing Wonder Woman's costume over at DC. And so we gave her, like, this biker leather jacket and a set of, like, goggle sunglass kind of eye shades, 
And there's the same time we want to find out she was pregnant because of something that happened during Spider-Verse. So she was in Spider-Verse a little bit with the uh, whole team crossing over between realities, running into multiple versions of themselves. Um, and Spider-Verse in the comic books, Spider-Verse in the animated movie, drastically different things. Mm-hmm. Um, same name and similar concept, but not literally not the same at all. Yeah. Um, anyway, as a result, she had that series where the costume changed. Yeah. And uh, the costume that the girl in the movie wears, the uh, version of her from the animated movie. Yeah, I think she's voiced is, by Issa Rae. Uh, she got the motorcycle. She's got that really cool hair uh, and kind of the same yeah. costume you're describing. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. That's that's basically what that was. Like the costume she's wearing in there is very similar to the Jessica Drew costume. So mm-hmm. that version of her versus the version of her in the comic books, that's what that costume basically was, uh, including like, the goggles. I think the main difference is, I, I want to say Jessica's or red, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the anime movie ones are black, but the black ones look better, actually, so it's fine. Well, speaking of uh, uh, black, Julia Carpenter was the Spider-Woman uh, uh, that was kind of hung, hung out. I okay. believe her... She first came out with the West Coast Avengers, maybe? I can't... She had, like, psionic webbing she could shoot. She's appeared in a few other things. I had to look it up, man, but it just bothering me. Just just for uh, reference no, purposes, my man. That, yeah, yeah, no. that was that one. She, she was in, a, she was in the, um, the West Coast Avengers for a little while. I want to see her original appearances actually during Secret Wars, though. Um, I think the original Secret right? Wars, she shows up as just her namesake, I think, in issue three... And then as actual Spider-Woman, oh, God, it's in Secret Wars also. Um, but I don't remember what number it is. I love that. I love that. What turned out, what was originally supposed to be just a massive cash grab for toys, turned out to be one of the biggest moments in comic history. Yeah, Julia Carpenter, you know, I think she had a bit of a role in Spider-Island, too, during that whole run. Uh, she she, she's kind of got some Madam Web ties as well. I, she might even be in the new movie, if I'm not mistaken. I only just saw the trailer a couple of times with Dakota Johnson and a few others, but um, yeah. It, it's funny. It's nice to talk about Spider-Woman getting her just due. I, I thought Jessica Drew leading up to the Secret Invasion, that was one of my favorite characters, Steve. I don't know if you got a chance to read what she was doing, her work with the hand and more. It was a blast. And, of course, her shield work and her kind of being on the outside in, it was cool to see her in the anti-hero role but still trying to kind of redeem herself. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Well, as far as the series are concerned like after the whole like fallout afterwards was really neat oh it was too and, like she's 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 a pretty cool character just by herself i mean both of them are which actually uh, julie she's uh she is the current madam webb in the comic books okay so we uh killed the old lady look like Anne may and that after that she went up taking that role hey steve so, like what was your first introduction to Madam Web? because you gave me great flashbacks of the 96 spider-man cartoon Oh man, that was the end. That was the run that, like, it, it it got so wild. I couldn't believe a Fox Kids show was like just delving into those types of threads. You know what I mean? Oh no, it was it was crazy stuff. Like it was super psychedelic when that stuff was happening. It was. I as far as like I mean, first introduction. Gosh, man, I don't. I, I saw in the comic books first, but I think what most of my memories come from is reading stuff that was older, not like 
not like things I was reading when it was happening. Because I really wasn't reading Spider-Man back in those days. Not really. Yeah. I mean, she showed up during the early 80s. I mean, you have to Google it to be sure what year, but it was somewhere in the early 80s. And, like, as it's saying, she drifted through the books at random appearances. Usually she'd show up on some cover and you'd be like, what the hell? Who the hell is yeah. this lady? Yeah. And it was just so trippy that, like... But yeah, I mean, I remember a fair amount of the cartoon too, and the cartoon used her all crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they make things flash all psychedelic or strobe-like, I guess. She did look like a mix between a Golden Girl and Kenshi from Mortal Kombat. You're not wrong about that, man. So. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Yeah. She straight up had Aunt May Bun, and yep, it was a uh, man. It was. Wild. Blindfold and then a weird like Mobius chair. I'm not quite sure what was happening there. I, I remember though, but you know that is one of my favorite things about streaming because I can reconnect with all those memories. Uh, I do, I do appreciate mm. that. You know what I just watched on Paramount Plus, Steve? It was crazy. The oh. original 1989 to 1991 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Do you know how bad the animation is, man? It is just oh, filthy, terrible. <laughs> Oh, man. That's what's so funny uh, about nostalgia, man, because you go back to it, and you're like, this sucked! But I loved it! <laughs> I loved it, man! I loved oh, no, it. yeah, yeah. Man, nostalgia glass is huge. Mm-hmm. It's always cool, I guess. I mean, I, I kind of got a bit of a more of an appreciation for the uh, old, like, the reigniting IPs that, you know, Hollywood and more media companies are fascinated with. You know, that... Sure. It's nice, because I think, um, you know, He-Man, I think, is a pretty good example masters of the universe because if you remember the 80s cartoon you know once again it was made to sell toys but you fast forward to what netflix and kevin smith are doing man the sophistication of the look you know it's an all right it's all right um but the sophistication of the look of it was what impressed me the most and you know with seth rogan's ninja turtles movie which was hilarious i guess i got to give it up at least in that part to the whole, the <laughs> renaissance of grabbing whatever, even if there was some sort of, you know, franchise that was mediocrely successful, Hollywood's going to grab and throw it out there. It's, you know, I, I guess I appreciate that. That's all. Sure. Well, when it comes to nostalgia and relegation of things, I mean, there's a whole handful of things that tend to come back around, which, speaking of things coming back around, uh, actually Dynamite's getting ready to put out a... Uh, series of Thundercats books. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's a pretty good segue. Uh, yeah. guys don't, they're not actually going to come out to like February, February or March. So they're, they haven't been before they happen. Uh, but uh, the writer on it's going to be the clan Shelby. And the dude doing the art for the interiors is a dude named Drew Moss. And he's pretty good too, like art wise. He's kind of got a, I don't know, I guess you see, kind of got an Ed McGinnis look to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, but the book's gonna get since the dynamite is gonna be dynamite explosion. There'll be a bunch of covers, and at least one of those is by uh, David Yakamaya. Oh gosh, Yakamaya. I don't think that's how you say that. It's DNA is his artist name, and he is awesome. Um, anyway, it, if, you, if you decide to Google it, look up on our dynamite Thundercats number one. Uh, Lucho Perillo has a cover, and uh, they just look. Jay Lee, of course, has a cover. Uh, nice. Uh, Kelly's gonna have his own cover also. Jay so. Lee, baby. Oh yeah, yeah. Dynamite uh, Comics. You, uh, you, you know them uh, if you heard. They do Fire and Ice. They do Vampirella, Thundercats. Now, mm-hmm. um, they actually, if you're way back, Steve, they do the Phantom. Do you carry the Phantom at top five, man? 
Oh, you know, we've had some, we have some issues in the store, but there hasn't been a proper Phantom series in a while. Mm. And I love Billy Zane. Give <laughs> so, uh, me some Phantom in there, and I, I think that purple, purple suit is glorious. Maybe you should listen to your friend Billy Zane. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was you definitely should. That was the greatest <laughs> Zoolander cameo ever, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that is that's cool. Uh, Thundercats so beloved. Uh, obviously, that kind of got on this really kind of interesting things that started out as ways to sell toys now are making you know huge comebacks it's it's pretty cool pr- pr- pretty yeah. cool yeah not that not that the GI Joe or the you know the Transformers universe needed any help but what Kirkman did with Void Rivals is super cool um yeah check it out top 5 comics will get you all of it my man but uh yeah <sighs> Uh, a great time to buy. It's the end of the year. Uh, it's a great time to jump in, just in case that you maybe you've been out for a while of the game, and you're like, well, I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, dip your toe in. I remember being out of the game, Steve, and I, I don't know if you've ever been out of the game, but, you know, once you do get back in, you remember all that great stuff, like the nostalgia we're talking about, or these wonderful new, like, you know, runs that we're talking about, whether it's like, I'm reading the Wolverine-Predator crossover right now. Absolutely spectacular. Super stoked to pick up Batman Off-World. We talked about it last episode. I mean, oh, yeah. there's a lot of exciting things about comics right now. And if you haven't been in, in there for a while, I think you should get in there. Well, for sure. And, like, there's a few there's a few other new series, like indie series, too. And we just had one come out. I, I, I don't know. We'll see if it's up your alley or not. But there's a book called The Holy Roller. And The Holy Roller is... Uh, it's a mini series. It's an action style book, but it's uh, being written by uh, Mr. Rick Remender and uh, Andy Sandberg. Andy Sandberg, you know, the funny guy. Hey, yeah. hey, he was the he was the voice of the Scarlet Spider in Across the Spider Verse. He was so he was. good. He, oh man, mm. talk about muscles. Call back to the first part of the episode, man. Jeezy Pete's. <laughs> that guy was drawn well. Oh yeah, I have a full uh, full eight pack there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't do <laughs> enough sit-ups for that, man. Yeah. Mm. Oh, brother, brother. That sounds a holy roller, man. That sounds good. Intriguing as well. Uh, Sandberg's good. Um, I've never seen him write anything close to comics. Do you think it'll have a humorous tone? Because if we're going off some of the other things recently too, these these like because I've I've read some Jamie Lee Curtis I've read some Keanu Reeves uh, now mm-hmm. Andy Samberg man and you know I love Keanu's barbaric it's really cool a wonderful departure from I think most of your superhero fare um, but yeah Jamie Lee Curtis was she's got a run coming up so Samberg that's very very interesting oh yeah well Tim and Recommender duo doing the book so just like just like Keanu and Matt Kent Kent was the comic book writer Keanu is the celebrity with ideas and I think it's the same kind of idea probably uh, Reminder he's written a whole handful of books uh, and he's he's really he's really good too so uh, Fear Agent's one of his um, the attitudes I think the uh, un- that X-Force run which put everybody in gray suits was really big for Remender. I remember it was. that being just so cool. Man, that was the first time I believe they allowed Wolverine to lead a book if I'm not mistaken. Ah, oh, man, you know, when it comes time. to like team leads and whatnot, that particular book was it had a lot of cool things going for it. I mean, we had Deadpool in it, we mm-hmm. had it was it was like the hit squad of X-Force characters. It was it was great. I mean, it had a few volumes after that, and they weren't they weren't bad, but the first volume was really strong. It really was. 
It was, yeah, yeah out of the Krakoan era and, um, yeah, uh, Phantom X, Archangel. Really, really intriguing characters that you got into but you didn't see enough of. All kind of brought back. And, of course, the the Deadpool Wolverine, um, you know, back and forth. You can't. You can't, oh, you can't beat that. Yeah. yeah, I think everybody's super excited about it. I think that's what everybody wants to see the most out of this new Deadpool movie. I was reading uh, an article about it, though, Steve. They say that it could be doomed to fail already. The article did. It was, I think it was Screen Rant or possibly uh, CBR, comic book, report, comic book Report, saying that the expectations the Marvel Universe, and Marvel Cinematic Universe is putting on this is to be a tentpole, but at the same time be a pivotal story point in the multiversal saga, could be setting it up to not deliver because... The things we loved about Deadpool was super random, off the wall. He can bring in, he'll, he'll do a cameo from people like Squirrel Girl all the way up to Colossus or even, you know, Professor Xavier. And this is what Deadpool can do. But making him that part of the MCU, do you agree with the article? Do you think that will be too much for even the, the wonderful zaniness that we've gotten from Ryan Reynolds and, and the rest of the, Tim Miller and the rest of the crew? Well, it's one of those things, like, trying to please everyone, and now there's been so much time. Oh, that's a good point. Movie, that's a good point. Where we're, we're sitting at right now, I mean, when it comes to expectations, uh, the easiest example is Star Wars. So as far as the Deadpool will have the same problem, you know, I don't I don't know. I think the movie by itself will probably be just fine, but if it's, if it's built to be a launching point for the next leg of everything, it's got two things working against it. One, it's rating, which is great for what it is, and I'm completely about, so don't take that the wrong way. But if this, in truth, is the key turn for a bunch of other properties to spin out of, and it's an important key turn, well, it's rating puts it in an avenue that doesn't land it okay for a whole bunch of audience members. So that's uh, already a part that's against them. Um, and then it, because of the style the movies are, it's, it's like it's like with comic books. So when the, I get, let's say, a couple new readers in with their mom, not anybody in particular, and uh, one of them is very about, you know, Spider-Man, which makes sense, and Batman, which, you know, also makes sense, I think. Um, and then the other one's like Deadpool all day, and mom's like, no Deadpool, because <laughs> Deadpool's moniker comes with that baggage. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Ryan Reynolds isn't fantastic because he is, and I'm not saying Deadpool isn't fantastic as a movie, uh, but I will say, and I've said it before, that when people are watching that movie and being like, "Oh, it's just like the comic books," I continually ask myself what comic books they're reading. Yeah, because the only series that is that um, that past the line as far as like style was the Deadpool Max. Yeah, and they only really did two series, and neither one were any damn good. Well, so. It's a really good point, Steve, and sorry to derail you there, but you're absolutely Mm. right, because the MPAA and the Comics Code Authority is obviously very different, especially if you're talking about the type of imprints that come out of a more adult-themed, you know, flair that you'll put out, like a company like, you know, the Max Line was. And to make those two, I, I really agree with you, I love what you're saying, one, the time, and second, the nature of it all, Deadpool, because you forget that it's been so long, so the expectations rise with every part of thing we hear about it and the closer we get to it. And then secondly, 
man, does the R rating, does it phase out the people that they really want? Because that's where the money is, man. You're absolutely right. The, the moms who are like, okay, let's go watch this with the kids. The whole family can enjoy a superhero movie. But Deadpool, I don't know. Not so much, because an R rating, <laughs> R rating allows you to get away with a whole lot more than what you're going right. to get in probably even a maturely a mature adult themed comic book. Just because the medium mediums are different, but secondly, you know, just the visceral nature of a movie really kind of puts it a little bit yeah, farther than the comic book. Different, re- different reception, like you're saying. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, different reception. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the yeah, I'm sure I've told you this example. I've said this a million times. Well, I feel like a million times. Um, on an old-timey radio dial, one that you turn with your hands, not a button, <laughs> It Deadpool movie is like at a 12 on a 10 dial. So you turn it up to 11, or I'll go with 11 because that sounds better. <laughs> He's past the dial. Whereas on the comic book side, the dial is like at a four and a half. Mm-hmm. There's still gags in there. There's still fourth wall breaks, there's still shenanigans, but the explicitory, if it is in there, it's a, you know, it's a dollar sign, two exclamation points, a hashtag, and a yep. that symbol. It is. So it's only, you know, as questionable as the person reading it is questionable. So, well, you know, Deadpool, choose adventure as far as that goes. Yeah, Deadpool in the right hands of a good writer can skirt that line, and it's a fun line to skirt about what really, truly the reader perceives versus what the writer and the artist are trying to get across. And that is kind of a concept that makes Deadpool so fun because he's playfully teasing you as an audience, and that kind of welcomes you in, and that's a big part of Deadpool's shtick, of course. Um, But, ooh, to, to not only kind of make this movie give it those expectations, do what I think it's going to do to another movie like Logan. Um, I, I don't know, man. Maybe I, I tended to kind of shake my head in agreement when I'm reading that article going, man, it's like Dis- Disney continually tries to put their eggs in one basket, pardon the colloquialism, or, you know, put the many lives of Superman in one basket. You know, I mean, everybody knows. Everybody knows that, obviously, Deadpool and whatnot are tentpoles. And I think the movies have really brought him to even more prominence than he already was because he was the world's most beloved antihero. But now Ryan Reynolds and his status and what he does in the world brings Deadpool that much that much farther. And... You know, I'd hate to see it fail commercially because they've already they've already given it the R rating, and if they back out on that and they say we got to go PG thirteen, the reshoots which have plagued the last however many movies will certainly do it to this one. Do you not agree? Oh no, I agree with that entirely. Yeah. If we turn around and we try to uh, now, I'm not saying that we couldn't turn around and do another Deadpool Christmas story because you you could. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Deadpool 2 has two different versions of the movie. One that includes the Princess Bride and is a very different version. Well, it's the same version of the movie. It's just not the same. You know, because it has all the Princess Bride parts in it. I mean, the story itself is still basically the same story about family. because you know, softened. <laughs> so, I mean, you could technically do that and then release it twice, back-to-back. And if you put enough space in the middle, you get people to go twice. I mean... You would, but when it comes to expectations and whatnot, I mean, 
the tears are already super, super high. I mean, as soon as you said that Hugh Jackman was going to be part of the cast, the expectations um, alone. I mean, I know people that were disappointed in WandaVision because they didn't get the answer they wanted from Pietro. So, like, and he, he's dead in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> so, 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 so there's that. I mean, I'm not saying you can't, you know, resurrect somebody with magic or whatever or have a magic version of him, but the fact of the matter is that he's dead. So, you know. Yeah. As, cool. as a thing, expectations are... Uh, are, are what they are because they are easy to uh, disappoint. Now, I don't necessarily feel like this movie's got too much of that writing against it, but if it, it's something they turn around tomorrow and they put out the trailer and they say, this movie will change everything, just like they did with Miss Mar- with the Marvels, then at that point, I mean, you're it's like you're setting yourself up. For failure, you know? 100%. Now, uh, yeah. I guess, I'm, but there are moments in these movies... Captain America picking up Mjolnir, um, uh, Iron Man passing away, uh, you know, him saying at the end of the first movie, I am Iron Man. They kind of become iconic. Uh, is Oh, for sure. Is Hugh Jackman in the, in the comic accurate suit, is that enough to bring everybody in? Is that enough to make the MCU fan casual and, you know, diehard? I, I don't know. What I liked about Logan, because I had my qualms about Logan. I did going in. Uh, I liked the R rating because I thought, well, you know, Wolverine in an R rating setting is fantastic. But then when I saw the movie, it was a well-made movie, and that really was so much of a service to the character and the way it was put together. And it, same thing with the first two Deadpool movies. Obviously, the first was a little bit better than the second, but that's just a given. Now... I, I don't know if it's moment if it's a moment like that that can carry us, or is it the Taylor Swift cameo that I hear about that's going to bring people? In? Look, I, I don't know. I understand movies and the hype around them is a big part of what happens, but I I don't know if you can have that style replace that substance because those moments I mentioned earlier they're full of substance, are they not? No, they totally are. Um, as far as pieces cameos, I, I mean I can't say that they they won't help. <laughs> but uh, as far as like the size of a of thing that it is trying to be in comparison to those particular um, hallmark moments, I guess. Very good. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it. It's the season. Tis the season, baby. The most mostiest no, time of the yeah. year, Steve. You're damn right. <laughs> but to hit that level of echelon, I think is the right word. Uh, you might Google me on that. I guess I don't know if that's how you say that. Um, even if I'm saying it wrong. It's a it's a pretty high high point to try to achieve, and like uh, whether whether it be the Spider Man fading away that hurts every single time, or or you know the Iron Man and the snap, those things took the majority of films to get there. So they're, they're both huge things. I mean, the kid got what three three movies before we did that. Mm-hmm. Iron Man had eight. Yep. So your time in the world to get to something that big is uh, is pivotal because you're you're seeding or seeding the, uh, the the belief and love for those characters to where when that stuff happens it matters. So uh, it, when it comes to trying these new movies and trying to make the same, hoping the same level of intensity is there without more time in it, I don't know. Now Deadpool does have the benefit of two movies behind him. 
Um, but he's also Deadpool, and so, like, as far as the character's concerned, we see him be through literally everything. Is he still hilarious? Well, of course, Ryan Reynolds is just so good. And Wolverine, well, in theory, if this is in line with anything else, we've already seen the end. So right. Do, do I do I think it'll be disappointing seeing the suit? Absolutely not. I mean, I've seen a couple pictures, and I'll give you, he looks a little long in the, a little long in the torso, but as a thing, it doesn't look bad. Yeah, I was seeing the same thing. That was my last question about, of course, uh, the Deadpool 3 movie before we segue into talking about what's on the rack, what you're loving right now. Is it too much? Because there are costumes out there that don't really seem viable. Maybe with the VFX, of course, you could green screen pretty much anything you want. I understand that completely. But the helmet mixed with, yeah, like you said, Jackman's stature and the idea of it being functional but also retaining its form and stylists and, and, and you know its stylings. I, I always thought I, I loved the suit, but I didn't think it was possible. Maybe it's because the first X-Men movie I saw was directed by Brian Singer, and he's like, I like black leather, and Grant Morrison's right. But whatever it is, I thought that was it because I just thought, man, that helmet, it, mostly the helmet. You? What do you, what do you think? Well, I think the suit can come off okay. It, it'll, it'll all be in delivery. And I don't think, I think at this point in the game, with as much stuff is invested in just the way Ryan has paid extra care to things going on with the Deadpool himself, like even occasions where the makeup's not enough or not right, and he's like, yeah, we have to do it again. Yeah, that's... That... On, on his simple scarred face, I mean, we've seen clips of that in the world. So with that in mind, I can't think that they would allow it to be that off-putting unless it was done for a mocking purpose or a joke. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, that's something I forget, that Brian Reynolds, despite him being an unserious person, is very serious about the things he does, which can be pretty evident. But this isn't a pop culture podcast. It's kind of one sometimes, but we like to talk <laughs> comics here on The Man Who Looked Bad in Spandex with Magic 93.1. Get it? Uh, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get yours. Like, subscribe. We really appreciate you doing that. Hit up Steve at Top 5 Comics. First in Orchard, Hillcrest Shopping Center. Top 5 Comics, CBS Instagram. Give him a holler. Online as well, Top 5 Comics. Steve, a couple more minutes here on this uh, lovely episode. Um, issues in the shop right now that you're loving. Oh, man. Um, so, only because I got to read a preview better part of a month ago. Um, but this week we get the uh, Batman Santa Claus issue one comes out this week. And, uh, well, I love it. It's just fantastic. Are you a, uh, are you a Christmas person? Are you a Christmas? I mean, yeah. Person? Okay. You know, I, sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 I like, you know what I, like I mean? The, uh, you know what I mean when I say Christmas person, right? Well, I mean enjoy the enjoy the season and whatnot. Right. Great things. I mean, the, like the Rudolph movie. Right. But constantly plague my friends by telling them they're the elf that wants to be a dentist. Yes, all those things. <laughs> There's only one guy I tell that to, actually, but, you know, he's the, he's the elf that wants to be a dentist. Is it Herbie? Is it Herbie the elf? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's, that's, oh. that's the guy. Oh, man. Although, um, <laughs> my brother did uh, name a restaurant after Yukon Cornelius and the Bumble. I, I do know, so I oh, also, I hear yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, that's, it's, that's freaking great. Yukon Cornelius is awesome. No, he's the um, best, man. Yeah, yeah. So th that thing is going to be a four-part miniseries, and it's coming out every week. Final issue coming out just after Christmas, because Christmas this year is on a Monday. So it'll be the uh, two days after Christmas for the last issue, which 
as long as it proves that they saved Christmas and that's why our Christmas is good, I'll be very, very pleased with the story. So I guess we'll see what happens. I might be disappointed at the end. But the first issue, I think, was great. I mean, you know Batman knows Santa Claus, right? Yeah. He's, yeah, of course. Of course I did. Yeah, I mean... I... It, only, it, only makes, it only makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think that's awesome. Um, it, it's on the Marvel side of things, we had the uh, first issue for Gang War come out, which is... Uh, it's a one-shot Spider-Man setting it up, and then we'll see how it unfolds. Because there's a few different books going on. There's the Luke Cage miniseries. The first issue that's out. Um, then there's the uh, the first issue of the Daredevil series, which I want to say is this week. Pretty sure that's true. And both those are going to run um, simultaneously through the event. Uh, the first issue is Spider-Woman. The new Spider-Woman issue came out. And while it is monikered Gang Wars, uh Series-wise, I guess we'll see. I think it's going to be a mini-series, too, but we'll see how it runs. Um, but the first issue, it was pretty good. Like, I, I liked it, again, because I like Spider-Woman. So uh, there's, there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, then there was a... Oh, was in a book. There's another one I was thinking about earlier today. That I was like, I should talk about this book. And now my brain's like, well, I don't know what book that was. That's bad. Yeah. I don't how's, what book it was. how's the Venom Black Widow team up going? Has that been fun? You know, it's been neat. The first couple issues of it are cool. It's going to have more presence than I expected it to. Oh, actually, that helps me remember one of the books that's coming out. Huh? Man, good job. God, I'm good at this. Uh, Thunderbolts <laughs> number one's coming out. Hey! And the, the new Thunderbolts, she's going to be a part of that as the Venom Black Widow. So that's cool. Oh, very good. That's but, absolutely I mean, I, fantastic. It's an interesting mashup. I, I expected to last one issue and then be the end of it, but that's that's not the case. So the first couple issues have been they've been neat. I mean, it's crazy getting Black Widow another like an actual power, but and her suit looks cool. So I guess we'll see what happens in the Thunderbolts with it. Man, that's cool. Speaking um, of speaking of somebody who's back, Miss Marvel is as well, and it's being written by Iman Vellani, who played her in the movie. That's correct. Ah uh, yes, so she's got her own series. They they killed her off in the comic books for you know just a minute, and then uh, right we got we got back to her being around, which is why she's the uh, the titling. Well, the title of the current book is uh, Miss Marvel: The New Mutant, and that little mini series uh, is uh, getting ready to wrap up. Uh, but that way she can be a mutant also. But yeah, it's it's uh, as far as the series, I think the last issue might have actually come out already. I can't remember what issue that's on. Uh, but, yeah, but she's uh, she's been tasked with putting the story together, and I don't know. The first couple issues were decent of it. I mean, I haven't, I haven't finished anything more than issue one and two, and they're okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't just like them. Yeah, well, that, um, that's a great thing. Is, oh, gosh. Another good, so this thing is awesome. So Batman uh, 89 has a follow-up miniseries ah. called uh, Batman 89 Echoes. Yes. And so this is the continuation of the Tim Burton universe. If we got a fourth movie, yeah. You say fourth movie. I said, well, the previous one was the Two Face movie. So the last miniseries they did with uh, Lando Calrissian playing the part of Two Face. Billy D. Um, and, and it was fun. It was neat. Um, this new one, which I mean, you could skip the, you could skip straight to this one. You, you could. Um, the new one has to do with uh, some Scarecrow action and a little bit of Harley Quinn because uh, we didn't meet her in the previous book, a series, previous series. Um, it's being written by Sam Ham. You say that sounds like a fake name. I mean, you know, it might be. I guess I kind of Susie. He's the guy that co-wrote the original um, Tim Burton movies. A little Susian so, for sure. Sam Ham. 
I mean, yeah, right? That made me question that. <laughs> he probably likes green eggs in it. No, I'm sorry, Steve. That's, that's, that's I mean, terrible. I a good possibility. I, that's a natural occurrence of the thing. Hey, fun fact, man. Seuss wrote that as a challenge to himself to write a book under, I believe, 54 words or less. He did it, man. That's, that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Hey, Steve, you're amazing, brother. As always, um, First and North Avenue, it's going on. It's the Lowbrow Art Festival. Noko Sushi is staying open late. It's this weekend, Saturday. Check it out. That tattoo, it's called, what's the tattoo? First Street Tattoo? First Street Tattoo, yep. Excellent, my friend. And, uh, I, hey, maybe we should link up. Maybe go get some late-night dynamite shrimp, man. No coast. It sounds fantastic. It does. Uh, not as fantastic as this podcast, of course, though. You go see him uh, at the corner of First and Orchard. It's, 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 it's CBS. Everybody knows it. Top five comics, and then Comic Book Steve's there for you. Whether you're looking for what we talked about or looking for something else, he'd love to help you out. Christmas is around the corner. Nothing better than gifts like action figures, T-shirts, posters, subscriptions, man. Oh, I went through like five years of my life, Steve. I wanted a subscription to all my favorite books for Christmas, man. You can make it happen at Top 5 Comics. <laughs> uh, yeah, visit them online as well. Always good there to reach out and whatnot. Check this out. Like, subscribe, do your thing wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening. Steve does, too, of course. Uh, it's the Men Who Look Bad in Spandex, and uh, we'll be back again. Steve, appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir.